it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show, 1-866-408-7669. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West at the bottom of the hour. And, of course, you. Uh, you can always write me at briankilmeade.com. A lot to discuss today. Uh, we are also monitoring different events. It looks like the president's almost set to come off vacation. Can you imagine that? Having a major legislative win for in his mind. And then taking another week off instead of going out and keeping momentum around it. Big primary day in New York. Big primary day in Florida. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Right now we're dealing with a a politically motivated policy emergency, and we think it can be a crisis in our city. That's why we've asked for federal support. Nice. Mayor of D.C., you have an emergency? What about Texas and Arizona? D.C. and New York City are starting to get a true taste of the border state's chaos. Biden has caused and help is not on the way as Mayor Bowser gets rejected. Adams gets rejected and cries foul. Number two. You hate to think politics could affect Tony Fauci's judgment as a scientist, but is it possible this thoroughly nonpartisan man of medicine has thought about what might happen in November when the Republican Congress takes over? Hmm, interesting. Fauci says he's gone in December, but clearly Republicans are not done with him. While Dems hail him a hero, I believe he has done great harm to millions while never admitting a single misstep. Number one. The one thing that clearly is wrong is the Biden White House should not be able to waive the executive privilege of President Trump. That would make the executive privilege a nullity. True. Trump on offense as the government leaks contents of their raid to the New York Times. What else is new? We'll bring you the latest. So here's what the uh, New York Times said. Hundred, uh, excuse me, 300 classified documents found at Mar-a-Lago. Uh-oh. They had no choice but to raid. Right. I'm, I'm just going to try to look if I can go over the time they raided Hillary Clinton's closet. Didn't happen. Fifteen boxes turned over to the archives in January. We know that. So you look at all these papers in the chaotic exit, 26 boxes overall, 11 sets of material marked as classified. And now that's why I find it so idiotic that the FBI, the Department of Justice, says to this uh, judge, I can't give you the affidavit because I don't want details of the reason uh, on the raid. I don't want details on what we found in the raid. I don't want it out there. Really? But the New York Times seems to get everything. How do they do that? Uh, are Trump Is Trump leaking about Trump? Find that hard to believe. What about you? So now they decide that they want a special master, somebody not Republican, not Democrat, to decide what they took and what they need to give back besides the president's passport. Here is his attorney, Alina Haba, cut to. We need an impartial, that means not Republican, not Democrat, impartial special master to go in there, take a look at what they seized, give back to the former president what is rightfully his, things that are 
clearly declassified, things that are also uh, privilege, attorney-client privilege from when he was in the White House, things that he should never have been seized, the passports. <laughs> we shouldn't have found that out after the fact. The problem is we have this incredibly broad warrant that should never have been in place in the first uh, in the first place. And, and there's just no reason for it. And now, and as I said on the Saturday show, Trump is not the top story in the world today. I mean, look what's going on in the Ukraine with the assassination of that that Putin ally's daughter, who is also an activist and an anchor. Look at what's happening over in China and Taiwan and the military exercises that are taking place. The market lost 600 points yesterday, and there's many banking titans who keep saying that we're in a recession. Inflation's at 8.5%, and you got primary elections. Trump should not be the top story. Why did the FBI do the raid? Why did the DOJ say this is the time for the raid? When you could honestly say that Democrats might have enjoyed a chance to have the spotlight to talk about their climate bill, which they mislabeled. Cut four, Alan Dershowitz. The one thing that clearly is wrong is the Biden White House should not be able to waive the executive privilege of President Trump. That would make the executive privilege a nullity. It would mean that no president could ever speak to anybody in confidence without knowing that two years from now or three years from now, all of it will be revealed by the current president. That's just not the way executive privilege was supposed to operate. So there are lots and lots of questions. I hope they'll be answered by the affidavit. So, okay, a couple of things. So the president of the United States is getting on the offense where he's comfortable. But experts say, uh, legal experts say, that by waiting so long and knowing that the FBI already went through, well, basically probably went through their nine hours worth of stuff and their countless boxes worth of uh, material, now you're asking for a special master to go through it? I'd still want someone to go through it. They said they got their own vetting team. No, uh, uh, no, no offense, but I'd like my own vetting team. Thank you. So the question is, the president really not know what was happening? Did he really not sign off on this? The Department of Justice, really such an emergency, they took weeks in order to do it. John Solomon, an investigation investigator with Just the News, was on with Sean Hannity last night and said this goes a little deeper. Cut eight. Yeah, not only did they know, they were pushing the investigation. They gave the permission to the uh, National Archives to send the original boxes of documents that Donald Trump had sent back to the archives to the FBI. That launches the criminal investigation. They then give the archives the permission, Joe Biden's blessing, to waive the president's best legal defense by saying you can't claim executive privileges over this. The current president will not allow it to happen. All that occurs long before a grand jury drops a subpoena on uh, President Trump's lawyers in May and June and long before the raid. The Biden White House is at the ignition point of this investigation. Yeah, and here we go. They are the ignition point, and that'll be exposed. See if the New York Times, Washington Post wants that story. The other big news that happened yesterday, I think one man who's done more damage while looking as though he's helping more is Anthony Fauci to this country and to these people. Think about this. Don't wear a mask. Wear a mask. Uh, get a shot. This is a vaccine. This is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Uh, six feet at- uh, apart or else you can't go to school. You better stay out of school. It's not safe. You better not go have a family get together. It's not wise. 54 years in government, 38 years leading the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. He feels as though he was on top of the world. Should never Never be questioned. And if you are questioning him, you're questioning science. 
That is not true, and we never knew it was true, but accepting it as true is almost every Democrat on the planet. But when you realize that the vaccine, as well-intended as it is, could not handle, and I'm sure it saved lives, but could not handle any of the variants. And when you tell me to get a booster, you better understand, too, that there's a little bit of a physical risk to it, but never acknowledging that physical risk, never acknowledging there might be a medication that he is not involved in that might be effective. Here is Anthony Fauci talking about how he can't believe his critics, and we shouldn't either. Cut nine. What has spilled over and really in many respects impeded a proper response to a public health challenge is something that we see that goes well beyond public health. It's a complete distortion of reality. I mean, uh, a world of where untruths have almost become normalized. People that don't believe him, for example, that he had anything to do with gain-of-function research, He is not curious about the origins of a virus that caught him totally by surprise and then quickly distanced himself from any ineptness that was associated with the CDC or FDA. Here is Senator John Kennedy about what Anthony Fauci could be looking at now that he's retired if Republicans gain control. Cut 12. I don't hate anyone, and that includes Dr. Fauci. He has decided to retire in December, and I wish him well. However, unless you do your research on Twitter, you know that the American people have many, many questions about how Dr. Fauci, other public health officials, and our government handled the pandemic. And getting answers to those questions from Dr. Fauci and others has been like trying to slam a revolving door. Now, the Democrats are in charge. They refuse to press, but the Republicans will. They will. Uh, Rand Paul said this in a tweet. Fauci's resignation will not prevent a full-throated investigation to the origins of the pandemic. He will be asked to testify under oath regarding any discussions he participated in concerning the lab leak. He never has, uh, evidently, he has never reported to the House. Uh, We'll see if he'll do it now. Dr. Scott Atlas very, uh, Dr. Fauci was very critical of him, as was Dr. Burks. He was steadfast. He went there to the White House so the president could have somebody he could speak to there. And then he left when the president left. Cut 14. I'll say his legacy is presiding over the greatest debacle in public health history because his recommendations were implemented. And those implementations of the lockdowns and the school closures that he recommended, along with his underling, Dr. Burks, failed. They failed by the data to stop the spread of the infection. They failed to stop the known vulnerable to die from dying, and they inflicted enormous harms. They spared the affluent and the elite at the sacrifice of the poor minorities and our children. The sinful and long-lasting damage to our children is one of his legacies, because those policies of masking, isolating, and quarantining healthy children introduced massive fear in them, damaged them really uh, to make them think that they're vectors of disease and everyone's a danger for them. We haven't even seen the tip of the iceberg of that damage. 
You got to see. I mean, I walked in planes. People are still wearing masks walking around the airports. I'm watching idiots walking around outside with masks on by themselves, in cars by themselves. That's the paranoia that Anthony Fauci thrust on everyone. Remember, wear two masks. And then we had Dr. Burks one time tell me on television, consider goggles because some of the disease could come through the eyes. Those are the idiots that just tried to destroy our lives in an effort to evidently save us over the last two and a half years. And that's what Anthony bring, Anthony uh, Fauci brings. All types of conflicts. And now at 82 years old, he says, it's time for him to move on to do something else. I find that hard to believe. You wait till 82 to decide you want a second career. Meanwhile, I'm sure he'll just make a ton of money making speeches to people that think he walks on water when we all know he doesn't. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here. At the bottom of the hour, I bring you up to date on what's happening in Ukraine. Uh, other challenges that are happening with the Iranian deal we're about to sign on, as well as Florida politics with a former Florida congressman, Colonel Alan West. You listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. A radio show of the people for the people. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The Will Cain Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox and Friends weekend host Will Cain as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Right now we're dealing with a a politically motivated uh, policy emergency. And we think it can be a crisis in our city. That's why we've asked for federal support. uh, And we will continue to do that. We think that cities alone can't solve a broken immigration system. But having said that, um, we are going to do everything that we can to have a humane setting for people who are coming through our city to their final destinations, uh, and we're going to work hard to do that. It's amazing that Washington, D.C.'s mayor and New York City's mayor gets a chance to get the cameras in front of them because they can't believe the hardships they have because Texas did the brilliant move of sending these illegal immigrants to New York and D.C. once they sign a waiver saying that they want to go and they're not forced there so no one's going to get sued. And now they can't believe, woe is me, I can't believe our city's overwhelmed, we got a social uh, health care system that's going to be uh, blitzed, and now we have a school system that's going to be hit. And wow, I need the federal government to help me out. I need the National Guard. When we have a, we have a governor of Texas, you know what? Rick Perry, I remember going after Barack Obama, who was not nearly as bad, who was dying for some type of attention outside conservative media and was just totally being ignored. That was Mayor Muriel Bowser complaining about about 6,000 illegals. But at the border, it is chaos. Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick knows it is a desperate situation. But also, not only are people coming across, not only are terrorists coming across, but drugs are coming across. Here he is. Cut 20. We've had a drug problem in this country for a long time. But now we're going to have a mortality problem. We're going to see more young adults and children die from fentanyl pills and other drugs that are coming across the border. But the fentanyl is so dangerous even to be near it or touch it or even to take a small amount can kill a child or an adult. And now, as you called uh, them, the different colored candies that look like sweet tarts to many children. Um, Where is Joe Biden? Does he not care that people are dying in America from all of these drugs coming over the border? We know he's okay with people coming over the border. But does he not care what's happening happening to the American public and to our teenagers and to our young adults? Yeah, in New York City, over 1,000 migrants, over 20 buses since August 5th. 
Uh, 6,000 illegal immigrants have arrived in New York City overall, and that's just what we know about. But the thing is, since it's a sanctuary city, so is D.C., no one's got a report. No one's got a fear of being deported. The cops don't have the ability to do it. you got a terrorist. you got a criminal. ICE is going to come get you. But they're not empowered like they used to. They certainly don't have the numbers that they had. Overall, just last month, in a month usually so hot, not many people cross, 199,976. And put 200,000 minimum of gotaways, let alone the people that come across uh, by drug traffickers who come into our country to sell. Because sadly, as in America, we are very good customers. Ron Vidiello, the former Border Patrol chief, cut 19. The hypocrisy meter is pegged at the red line because now there are people in the Democratic Party that are saying there's a crisis. There's a crisis brought by thousands and thousands of people coming across the border illegally every single night on the southwest border. And a couple of hundred or a couple of thousand people coming to D.C. is now a crisis. So somebody in the party, not the president, not the secretary, is saying that they have a crisis. Uh, So now they have to admit what they did. They blew up the border. So, yeah, you got a crisis. When are they going to address it? So we can't even say it's a bad policy. With President Obama, you thought, yeah, man, they could do such a better job on enforcement and you could have done such a better job on pressuring the the Central and South American countries. But they're not doing anything at all. That's what I find the most frustrating. I almost didn't want to do this. If it wasn't for the migrant buses, as important a story as this is, I find it so frustrating. I was going to ignore it. But when the migrant buses made this a story again, then that is to the brilliance of Abbott and Ducey, but mostly Abbott, Ducey of Arizona, just started doing it. Meanwhile, let me just pivot real quick before we get to Colonel Alan West at the bottom of the hour. And I want to talk about what's happening locally. There's this narrative that Herschel Walker, Dr. Oz, Mastriano are these bad candidates. Really? Are they really bad candidates? Or are they professionals in other areas, in Herschel Walker business and sports, in Dr. Oz, in television presenting, motivational speaking, business, and he's a surgeon. This is with the type of people that we want in politics. Like Dr. Ben Carson needs to project more, but the guy is a brilliant brain surgeon. So these are the people that we want as cabinet members. These are the people that we want running our states as senators and governors. Mastriano, I don't know much about him except for I know he's a fervent Trump supporter. Here's Newt Gingrich. Keep your eye on Dr. Oz. Cut 22. You have in Fetterman somebody so radical that he can't possibly represent the people of Pennsylvania. Uh, And I think that's what makes all of this dangerous. We just saw this in Wyoming where Liz Cheney was repudiated, getting only 29 percent of the vote. Uh, And I think that's because you have this growing gap. I, I suspect when the average Pennsylvanian looks at Dr. Oz's real record, looks at Fetterman's real record, and asks themselves, which person is going to fight for Pennsylvania in the U.S. Senate? Uh, I have a hunch that Oz is going to win a surprisingly big victory. I do. I think that big, but he'll win. And here's the thing. They'll punt on different things from his TV show. So what? He's a doctor doing a show for the masses, not for medical students. He'll talk about everything. So, Brian Kilmeade. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Sources on the ground in Kiev are, are sort of uh, preparing for the worst. Uh, it's been a quiet 
24 hours, according to people I'm in touch with, including my partner at Yahoo News is in Ukraine. You know, you've got, I think the Polish prime minister is there currently, which is a, a rather stalwart sign of solidarity. If there is going to be a looming barrage of, of missiles and rockets, it would, would come together, I think, in, in the Russian playbook. Again, retaliation for this uh, you know, alleged car bombing of the daughter of rather controversial but very public figure in Russia and uh, Ukraine's forthcoming Independence Day. Symbolically, I could see Putin deciding now is the time to, uh, to, to escalate. And we'll see because of the car bombing that killed the 29-year-old daughter of uh, Putin's brain, the one who really pushed for the Ukraine war, they say the Ukrainians had to be behind it. Really? I'm not sure about that. We'll see. I talked to someone this morning who thought yes. I talked to somebody else this morning who said, no, I, I doubt it. They'd have tentacles to reach that far. Remember, the war's not that popular with a lot of uh, Russians who know, uh, who are seeing 85,000 removed from the battlefield, uh, over a dozen generals killed, thousands of dollars. I mean, this is, you can't tell me that there aren't people angry in Russia. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West joins us now. They're expecting escalation in Kiev. Colonel, from your experience in the region, from you watching this war for the last six months, did we make the right move saying everyone out of the embassy? Yeah, I think you might be getting to that point. Uh, if you have intel on the ground that says that you're going to see a larger increase of Russian shelling and bombardment, and we know that it's pretty much so indiscriminate, it's not like they're using precision munitions. Uh, they're just lining up artillery and uh, bombarding areas, and they're going after civilians. So I think that that might be a key aspect. But then we also have to, you know, be able to show, you know, stronger resolve. And this whole thing about the 29 year old daughter uh you know what would that have gained ukraine to do something like that i think that you know you would lose the moral high ground uh you would be seen more so as fighting an insurgency going after the russian people so perhaps this was something that was going on internally in russia but you know putin like Rahm emanuel never let a good crisis go to waste and i'm sure he'll try to use that to his advantage here's michael weiss who you just heard from uh, he's a senior correspondent for Yahoo. Cut 30. Well, her father, Alexander Dugin, is Russia's foremost fascist ideologue and philosopher. Um, for many, many years, he has been advocating a Russian conquest of Ukraine. He doesn't believe in the existence of Ukraine as an independent, sovereign nation state. And frankly, he makes Vladimir Putin look kittenish on the issue of war. Um, so for him to say that now is the time for Russia to go all out, uh, possibly what he means by that is a full-scale mobilization, uh, you know, a, a total declaration of war. Remember that the, the, the Russian campaign is still couched as a, quote, special military operation. It is not a war, by their definition, uh, is not surprising. So that's where we're at right now. You also have a very frustrated Russia, I imagine. They have not moved anywhere in about a month. I've been able to make progress, and it looks as though the Ukrainians are in penetrating in some guerrilla warfare into Crimea, to using drones to blow up a couple of ships, damaging ships in the Black Sea, and moving in Kyrgyzstan. I don't want to paint an overly optimistic picture, but the Russians don't have a lot to be happy about, you wouldn't think. 
No, they don't. And I think time is on the side of Ukrainians. And, uh, again, they're using uh, the guerrilla tactics. They're more so going to ground and fighting uh, what you would see as a, a classical insurgency against the Russians. And I would say it would not behoove the Russians very well as you're getting ready to move toward winter uh, and start to push more forces into the area. And, uh, you know, in eastern Ukraine, I think it bodes well for the Russians because they have shorter supply lines. But as the Russians try to push deeper into Ukraine, they're going to extend those supply lines and they're going to make themselves even more vulnerable to, uh, you know, guerrilla-style attacks. Yeah, I, I guess we're, we're witnessing now uh, there's a fear among some Ukrainian officials that, led by Jake Sullivan, they're going to force Ukraine to say, uh, end it here. Uh, we're going to let the Russians keep what they got. Let's just end this war here before the election. Is that a legitimate fear? Well, sure it is. And I will tell you what, if I'm Taiwan, I'd be really concerned about that because basically what the Biden administration is saying is they don't care about the sovereignty of nation states. And we know that the Biden administration doesn't care about the sovereignty of the United States of America. So if they're willing to say, you know, just give up a portion of your country and and call it a day, uh, that's easy for them to say to the Ukrainians, but that's not something that the Ukrainians want to accept. And furthermore, you think about the uh, restraints and constraints that's going to put on trade and things of uh, sea lane, the sea lanes of commerce for them as well. So there are many long-term ramifications for them to just say, let's just, uh, you know, take it what it is for today and lose our sovereignty. So there's a little battle between the states. I think the president of the United States has done that uniquely. Uh, but the states are now warring with each other when it comes to illegal immigration. Yours in Texas is being overwhelmed. So they're shipping them to New York City if they want to go and let everybody else understand what the border states got to deal with. Manuel Castro is in New York City Office of Immigration Affairs. He's outraged in New York City. Cut 18. Unfortunately, Governor Abbott is is uh, using this for for his political reelection. And that's unfortunate instead of making sure he's coordinating with other states, making sure that he is providing assistance. He's making the situation worse. Uh, there's, he's hired a private security firm, uh, a, a number of bus companies, it appears, and has made them sign non-disclosure agreements. So we don't have any information from them. Uh, he's trying to make this as chaotic and disruptive as possible for, for the cities that are welcoming asylum seekers. Do you really think that's Governor Abbott trying to get reelected? You know, some people could say this is political optics, political gimmicks. I'm a rule of law person, and you know me very well, Brian. And I think that right now nobody uh, is standing up for the rule of law, and the people that are being hurt are the folks that are being trafficked, uh, sex trafficking, the fentanyl issue, and, of course, the safety and security. When I see those buses ending up in New York City or Washington, D.C., and you're talking about single military-age males, that's not a good thing. If you're going to bust illegal immigrants, and let's get rid of the asylum seekers, the migrant talk. We're talking about 800,000 gotaways. We don't know where they are. And as I've shared with you before, 800,000 gotaways, illegal immigrants that we don't know who they are in the United States of America, that is a number bigger than the active duty strength of our United States Army and Marine Corps. Someone has to stand up for the rule of law and do what is right. Sanctuary cities are wrong. 
busing illegal immigrants all across this country is wrong. Flying them all across this country like the Biden administration is doing is wrong. So who's going to stand up for the rule of law? Who is? Because uh, Governor Abbott can't get anybody's attention in Washington. He's using Texas Rangers, National Guard. So there's bus paying for these buses. Are the Texas taxpayers getting fed up with uh, with Abbott's decisions to do this? I personally back it up. Yes. I think it's a good move. But are they getting upset? Yes, they are. Because what we are saying is that if you want to get the attention of the Biden administration, bust them on a very short trip back across the Rio Grande. That will get their attention. Uh, we just saw uh, an incident, and I'm sure you saw it as well, reported on Fox News, where you had the United States Border Patrol unlock a gate on private property to allow illegal immigrants in. This is a this is undermining the safety and security uh, of our state of Texas. We're the number one state for human and sex trafficking. Texas uh, has the top two states for sex trafficking, Dallas and Houston. But yet we have Border Patrol agents opening gates on private property. No, we, we have got to do what is necessary to make a stand. And I got to tell you, that's where the governor should make his play and saying that if you don't want to protect the borders, I will. I will deport people because you're failing in your constitutional duty. But, but how do you do that? For you, you, but, but the federal government's going to stop him from doing that. If he just puts these guys on buses and turns them around, the federal government say, no, they can stay. We just saw them unlock a gate. Why wouldn't you think they'd turn around a bus? Because I think that right now you're seeing what is called, you know, a, a, a nullification of the Constitution. The, the federal government is supposed to guarantee to every state of protection from invasion. Article 1, Section 10, Clause Number 3, which is what everyone is saying needs to be invoked, gives the states the ability to protect themselves from this invasion. Five million people in two years, that's not just an immigration problem, that's an invasion of our sovereignty issue. And I'm telling you that someone needs to stand up and go toe-to-toe against the Biden administration, against Merrick Garland, and not be fearful of people that are violating the law to protect our states and protect the United States of America, because right now we have a red carpet uh, here in Texas along 1,254 miles of border that's allowing the undermining of the, this constitutional republic. And how is Beto O'Rourke, who wants to take down the wall, is going to go easier on, uh, on illegal immigration? How is he within single digits? Because there are a lot of people that have moved businesses and corporations here from California, Illinois, some New York, and the employment base that came along, they're happy with leftist policies. Uh, I don't understand how he could be that close when he is wrong on the border, wrong on the immigration issue, the invasion issue, wrong on every single thing that we're facing here in the United States of America. All right. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Allen West, thanks so much. My pleasure. Take care now. You got it. one 408 7669 When we come back, I'll, I'll take your calls. Also talk about uh, politics, too. Uh, I thought that as we go to break, you should hear Bill Moore uh, going out of his way to say, listen, I don't like him, but you got to look, uh, look at uh, President Trump and say to yourself, uh, good job so far in the primaries. Cut 25. 85% of the people Trump endorsed won. 151 out of 178. Say what you want about Mr. Evil, but boy, what a politician. I mean, that's impressive. In an evil way, but still <laughs> impressive. And listen to this. So, and there's 10 members 
of Congress who voted to impeach him, and he vowed to knock them off. It's so Tarantino movie. <laughs> He's going to get all ten. He got eight out of the ten. Four, four quit because they knew they'd lose, and four lost. Both sides, all opinions. It's Brian Kilmeade. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. So it's easy to criticize, but they're really criticizing science. Because I represent science. You're really attacking not only Dr. Anthony Fauci, you're attacking science. I'm the bad guy to an entire subset of people. Because I represent something that is uncomfortable for them. It's called the truth. Uh, that is Anthony Fauci, who thinks he's bigger than life, but I just cannot wait for him to move on. They say he's going to be replaced when he does retire in December by a multiple of people. Nobody should have that type of power is my inference from that. Scott, you're listening uh, in Rockville, Maryland. Hey, Scott. Hey there. Thanks so much for taking the call. Love your show. Love your presence on the other shows you appear on. Thank you. So I had this, um, sure. So I had this epiphany or idea. Why not states such as, say, Arizona and Texas, for instance, who are most troubled and affected by the current situation on the border, create a NATO-like block to do just what you suggested? Put the illegals on buses and send them back to Mexico. If one state state does it, and, and Texas is obviously a perfect paradigm, if you will, uh, that's powerful. But if you have a block of states that represent tens of millions of folks, I think that would send as clear a message as you can possibly transmit to the federal government. Uh, I think that would be great. I said the federal government's got to be uh, on top of it because we watch them open the gates and close the gates and they just trump the state. So what if they say you can't turn around? Uh, by law, federal government, if they get here, they get to stay. You can't do that. It's like if you come up in Florida and you wash up on a raft, they say if you put one foot on land, you are now can stay or you're going to be able to be processed and apply. If you just put that person back on a raft and send them towards Cuba, that would then be illegal. You lose your power. So that's, uh, that's the one thing you got to worry about. Um, thanks so much for the call. I'm getting a lot of uh, emails from you guys, too, at BrianKillMe.com. One is from Dawn. Dawn says, I wonder if Airbnb could use the White House. It's really occupied. You know what she's saying? They've, she, the President Biden is never there. He's been on vacation. Then he was at a friend's house in South, uh, in South Carolina. And you might as well rent it out if no one's going to be there. Hey, listen, I hear you. You don't have to convince me. Uh, what about abortion? So everyone's focusing on the fact that part of the rebirth of the Democratic Party that's giving them hope to holding on to the Senate is abortion because Roe v. Wade uh, could be illegal in your state. It's up to the states to make that decision. Lynn writes this, Brian, would it be advantageous for the right to adopt a campaign position of let's work together on a state level to craft abortion rights that works for all rather than getting beaten over the head for defending national level decisions? The national decision afforded each state the chance to have the conversation on abortion should be handled at the state level. and We should use that to deflect criticism and promote the drive for the equitable solution via a state level dramatic uh, democratic process. Do you think that's a moderate? Uh, is that a chance to galvanize people? Possibly. If I would, I mean, look at what uh, Glenn Youngkin did. He said 15 weeks. Now, the Republican position is pro-life, zero weeks. You just don't want it. But he's saying, no, listen, I'm, I'm from a purple state. I know not everyone agrees with me. 15 weeks. 
So what about the silent majority when it comes to this election? Courtney writes, the problem with the silent majority, she says, is silence. Silence has caused the younger generation to believe what they hear and see in the media. Want to uh, affect common sense change? We cannot be afraid to speak anymore. This means speaking up for our communities, even when it's hard and unpopular, not just on Fox News. I hear you. So you could be the silent majority. Or you could be the majority that speaks up. It gives people a better perception of the reality. Um, Keep in mind, too, oh, I made a statement this morning uh, that Pennsylvania's landlocked. I meant from oceans. They said we have lakes. I get it. Um, illegals versus our vets. Uh, Brian, uh, I am the wife of an Army vet who has dementia and Alzheimer's disease and has yet to live in an assisted living village uh, going on three years now. I have applied for financial assistance with the VA to help the cost of uh, the cost of getting in there. We don't have the money, but we have all this money for all these illegals. I understand, Elaine. It's got to be extremely frustrating. Uh, this is another one about uh, an email as coming in, just saying illegal immigration should be the number one issue. My problem is, uh, Lynn, is that it's not the number one issue in almost every survey I see, and it drives me crazy. I think it's seventh in the last one I saw. How could that not be a number one issue? Even if you're in Maryland or if you're in Washington State, you have these issues of homeless these buses, these planes flying into your city, your state, your taxpayer dollars are going to go to support them. Now they're getting phones, they're getting health care, they're getting schooling. Meanwhile, most likely, unless you're in places like Florida, your, your state is underwater. You have to balance the budget technically, but you can take out loans to sustain itself. But a lot of that money goes to social programs of people who don't belong here. That's what I find unbelievably frustrating. So quick personal note, if you want to see me in action, I hope you do on stage. Go to BrianKillMe.com right now if you're in Albany, if you're in Brandon, Albany, September 8th, Brandon, Mississippi, uh, November 12th, or Tulsa, Oklahoma, November 13th. Uh, we have a red, white, and blue night, a chance to talk about my books, our march through history, and a pushback on 1619 and an underlining of 1776. You listen to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't move. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. 1-866-408-7669. Coming to you from 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan. Heard around the country, heard around the world, especially in the Ukraine, which is on tender hooks now because of the uh, attack on the daughter of Putin's brain, who had the idea was to absorb Ukraine. She was blown up in her car over the weekend, and Russians immediately said it was the Ukrainians. Ukrainians said, we have nothing to do with that. We're not a terrorist state. You do that. We don't do that. So we'll see. They told us to, they made an announcement to clear out the embassy, everybody out of the American embassy, because Kiev could go on fire. We'll see. They tried to take Kiev once it didn't work. Barney and company will do a simulcast, and Congressman Burgess Owens is waiting on deck. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Right now we're dealing with a a politically motivated policy emergency, and we think it can be a crisis in our city. That's why we've asked for federal support. Yeah, that's what's happening. You want federal support? What about federal support for Texas and Arizona? D.C. and New York City are starting to get a true taste of the border problems and the chaos that President Biden has thrust upon us. And they want help. Really? 
Number two. You hate to think politics could affect Tony Fauci's judgment as a scientist, but is it possible this thoroughly nonpartisan man of medicine has thought about what might happen in November when the Republican Congress takes over? The answer is yes. Fauci says he's gone in December, but clearly Republicans are not done with him. We'll discuss. Number one. The one thing that clearly is wrong is the Biden White House should not be able to waive the executive privilege of President Trump. That would make the executive privilege a nullity. By the way, that's exactly what the Biden White House did, and that was Alan Dershowitz. Trump on offense as the government leaks contents of the raid on New York uh, to the New York Times. We'll bring in the latest. And let's bring in uh, Burgess Owens, the congressman from Utah, looking to get that two more years. But not just that, bring others in the minorities with him because Republicans for the longest time have been a mostly white party. Not that they've avoided it, but they haven't, in my view, made the effort to be more inclusive but yet that seems to be their growing base, especially with the Hispanic community. Congressman, welcome back. Brian, my pleasure. Looking forward to this, my friend, for yeah, sure. Yeah, so, Congressman, first off, when it comes to that raid in Mar-a-Lago, it seems to have had the opposite effect. It was supposed to neutralize Trump. It actually makes him—it uh, looks like it empowered him. Yeah, uh, the American people are just fed up with this two-tier uh, justice system that we've had. We've experienced it now for a year and a half. Uh, actually, it's been going on much longer than that. And at, at some point, Americans just say, we just want fairness. We, we want accountability. We just want to, to live our lives knowing that we do the right thing, uh, that we're not gonna be, they're, not come, they're not coming after us. And add on to mar lago add on to now 87,000 IRS agents. Uh, let me tell you, my friends, middle class, uh, business owners, watch out. Uh, we're gonna do what we're gonna do what we can to stop this, stuff, but uh, just know that's that's what's coming at us. And by the way, let me just say this, uh, Brian, I, I, I am now um, uh, a living the dream I started 40 years ago with just win baby pack. Uh, you know, it's interesting when I left the NFL, the the, the idea was that time I saw my community uh, heading the wrong direction, a community that I grew up in was very proud, patriotic, educated business owners everywhere, and, and their kids learning to respect uh, elders. And I realized in the 1980s that it wasn't, that, was, that was changing. So I thought some kind of way I'm going to impact my, my race. Well, here we are four years later, and we have Americans across the board, uh, minorities, Hispanic, women, uh, blacks, men, uh, uh, veterans, business owners that are saying, you know what, we don't have to wait. We're going to get out there and, and bring my, our communities back from the abyss. As we do that, we bring our country back. So I'm, I'm going to say this. I've never been so excited than I am right now that this coming November, Americans can really can show who we really are, particularly the Republican Party. We can show that we are in, in, in inclusive. Uh, we believe in our American way. And, and let me just say this. At the end of the day, these folks that I'm, I'm bringing aboard with Just Win Baby Pack and, and the Republican Party will put the policies that will make our economy strong, our nation safe, our government accountable, and our future free. So you That's followed it. So you, so you started a super PAC. So you started a super PAC, and you called it Just Win Baby. <laughs> After what Al you know Davis. <clears throat> Al right. Davis, Just Win Baby. And uh, exact super PAC, and it's 10 candidates, minorities, all minorities who believe what I do believe in, just what I just mentioned before, that our country has, has not yet seen our greater days. So we're going to move toward getting back to our basic foundation of uh, hope and opportunity and fairness. We're going forward, and I look forward to being part of that process. So you got Tim Scott, you got you, Burgess Owens. You, now you have uh, Byron Donalds, and now you have uh, Herschel Walker, who wants to do exactly what you did, 
uh, succeed in the field, succeed in business, yeah. and then succeed as a senator. How do you feel Herschel's doing? I think Herschel's going to be just fine. I, I really do. I think the Georgians are looking for someone who's just the, the real deal, someone who understands that our faith should come from a God in heaven that's blessed this country, someone who believes in fairness. Uh, someone who understands what it is to go through ups and downs of life and, re- and live real life and come out on top. Uh, I, I'm excited about what, what Herschel uh, offers. And, and more, more importantly, he gives us background, backbone and courage. You, you, you see these, these senators and, um, and Democrats, they, they all read from the same, uh, uh, the same script. They do not have the courage to step away from the hard left, and that's why we're where we are today. We need courage, backbone, and a focus on American people, leader people, versus politicians and just this, this tone of line. So I'm excited about Herschel. And, uh, and all those, uh, again, when you go to my, my Just Win Baby Pack, you'll see the 10 candidates across the country, Hispanic, black, women, that are just I'm so excited about. And, and those are folks going to bring our country again back in 2023. So sure. are you supporting them financially? Are you recruiting them? What are, what are you guys doing? Uh, financial. I'm actually in Illinois right now. Uh, I'm working with Catalina, uh, <clears throat> Catalina Loss, and I'll be heading down to um, uh, uh, to uh, Vegas this coming week uh, to spend some time down that way with April Becker. I'm, I'm going to be across the country. The goal right now, Brian, and, and all Americans should think this way, by November we should all be exhausted. We should have nothing left. We're going to leave everything on the field. This is our time to get our country back. Leave the sideline. Leave the, the stands. Get on the field, whatever your talents might be. And right now, I'm cross the, going across the country, not financially supporting these, uh, these candidates, uh, physically supporting these candidates, because this is our time to get our country back. And I've never been more excited about uh, this, uh, the, the next few months, I guess the next few days, really counting down, going into November. Burgess Owens is here. Burgess, you know what they're saying. And, you know, Herschel Walker grew up in a very black area in uh, working class, to be generous, area of Georgia. And yet he only has 15 percent of the black vote. And they look at him. Many people look at him. And he told me this himself. They look at him as a sellout because he is not on the not a Democrat. And he laughs at it and said, are you kidding me? What what do they what do both parties stand for? And tell me where you belong. But he hears it. Does it? Do you hear it? Does it bother you? No, I hear it. It doesn't bother me because he, he, here's what's happening. Uh, Biden is really a gift to all of us. Uh, one thing that happens when when Americans feel misery, uh, when we see contrast, we come together and start talking. And, and yes, there's still going to be some that will be slowly moving back toward our basic, uh, our foundational conservative values that Black Americans and Hispanic Americans have always been been to. But that's going to change because as things get more and more uh, miserable. For American people, as, as the Democrats try harder to get uh, uh, power through this misery, American people say, you know, we don't want it anymore. We want hope. We want opportunity. We want our kids to grow up in a, in a safe environment. We want to have the economy strong again, a nation that's safe, and a future that our kids can be excited about. So you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about the next few, uh, few, few weeks, a few months, and going into next year. Believe me, our country's coming back to our foundation. So for those who might be laggards, that's okay. Hang in there. Uh, Mitch is coming your way, and eventually you'll see the, the Republican Party has the answers for us. Right. So Mitch McConnell uh, came out, and he basically said it's going to come down to candidate quality, and it's going to be 50-50. It's going to be razor, uh, razor uh, close. Fine. I'm surprised, Mitch McConnell. I know he's low-key by nature, and I know I understand he's in his uh, upper 70s. But shouldn't you uh, be somewhat of a cheerleader for your side? I mean, why sit there and be? We have enough analysts in this world, don't we? Yeah, no, you you think so. That's what leadership is all about. 
uh, go back to Al Davis. You see what it is when when you, you just you bring folks on that that uh, might not be in their last, it might not be in, in, the, in the most prime state, but they know they can have an attitude of winning. No, I, I'm going to be I'm going to be a cheerleader for the American people. I'm going to say this: American people have always, when we find out that we're uh, under attack, we come out and we come together. We just win, baby. So that's what's going to happen. Uh, I, I'm I'm a much more optimistic about this than you just than they hear from the, the Senate. And we're going to not only get the Senate, but the but the House, because American people are waking up. There's nothing more powerful than we the people. We realize that we're under attack, that we have a leftist, Marxist left that does not want us to win. Right. against faith, free market education. So we're going to be okay. You got uh, April Becker. You're supporting Nevada's congressional district, third district. Anna Paulina Luna, uh, for his congressional district 13. John James, trying it in the House. Got very close in the Senate from the 10th district in Michigan. That'll be a tough battle. Uh, Rod Dorilis in Florida on the 22nd district. That might be where Alan West is from. So Casey Garcia is there and Catalina Loff is there, as well as Jennifer Ruth Green, Tamika Hamilton, uh, Wesley Hunt, who seems to be a shoe in now. They won the primary and Monica De La Cruz. So all these uh, Burgess Owens are on your starting lineup uh, for your brand new Super PAC, correct? Absolutely. Just keep in mind, there's over 80 black Americans the Republican running this time around. And uh, what I did, I, I vetted and talked with the ones we feel we can have to bring across the line. Imagine bringing these 10 candidates across the line with us. I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask Americans to listen to this this this, uh, this conversation. Go to, to Just Win Baby Pack. Now's our time to show America what the Republican Party has always been about. It's inclusion. It is actually the idea that America is the very best and will continue to be the best with the best policy. So, uh, again, Brian, if, if, if uh, those are listening, Remember this, economy is strong, a nation is safe, a government is accountable, and our future is free. That's the Republican Party, and that's these 10 candidates that they'll be bringing across the line in 2023. Congressman Burgess Owens, last question to you has nothing to do with politics. NIL, <laughs> name, image, and likeness. How do you feel about that in college sports today? Oh, boy. Uh, you know, Brad, I wish I could answer that. I just don't have not paid a lot of attention, unfortunately. Well, uh, let me ask you, how do you feel as though you should have been paid in college? You know what? Uh, I, I would I would say things have changed. Yes. I mean, it's a it's a big business now. When I came through, it was basic bottom line was get a, a college education and move on. It was not about NFL at the time. If things have changed and we have to make sure we do have a balance that that. Talent that's on the field can get some type of enumeration, of course, without destroying the game. And that's the, that's the balancing we have to do. And I think that's uh, many of us in Congress now having these conversations to figure out how to make that balance work across the board, keeping it fair uh, with all with all, uh, all those who are involved in this process. I hope you're involved because Congress is taking it up because it is out of control right now. There are no rules. So hopefully you, yep. you'll take it up um, uh, if you can uh, do what you did last time, and that's uh, win this election. Congressman Burgess Owens, thanks so much. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate the opportunity, my friend. Bye. All right. Well, you got it. Uh, when we come back, I'll take your calls, one 408 Who you like, Adams or Abbott, in this battle of illegal immigration? And when it comes to Anthony Fauci, is his legacy something that is going to cost him uh, big time? For me, the answer is absolutely yes. You'll listen to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first on The Brian Kilmeade Show.
information you want, truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Unfortunately, Governor Abbott is is uh, using this for for his political reelection, and that's unfortunate. Instead of making sure he's coordinating with other states, making sure that he is providing assistance, he's making the situation worse. Uh, there's he's hired a private security firm. Uh, a, a number of bus companies, it appears, and has made them sign non-disclosure agreements. So we don't have any information from them. Uh, he's trying to make this as chaotic and disruptive as possible for, for the cities that are welcoming asylum seekers. Oh, please. He, what he's trying to do is get everybody's attention. And why should Texas be bearing this burden? You heard Colonel at West, who ran for governor, said that, listen, we should turn these buzz, turn these guys around as soon as they cross the border and sent over as far as I know, I, the federal government would stop the state from doing that, just like they opened up the fence last week uh, in the Rio Grande Valley. Eric, listen on WNIS in beautiful Virginia Beach. Hey, Eric. Uh, hey, thanks for having me on. Uh, so I was doing some research, and uh, so 90 percent of Republicans and 70 percent of Democrats support term limits. And in the 90s, they picked up uh, like 50 seats or something like that. And I really think if we want to go towards the middle and win this election, win the general election, we can put it on the floor for a vote. And then we'll have, you know, cannon fodder for the for the ads in 2024 for the people to vote against it. But if we really push the term limits, I think we'll get a lot of bipartisan votes and pick off, you know, the one in 200, the one in 100 people we need to win some of these close races in the Senate. Well, it'll be so, interesting, and especially in the House, these people just stay there forever. We're looking at Nadler in his 70s now, late 70s, Maloney, late 70s. Uh, Clyburn, 80s. I mean, come on, move over. It was never supposed to be that. John, listen, WDBO in, uh, excuse me, uh, DBQ over in Iowa. Hey, John. How you doing, Brian? Yeah, I was listening to your program to uh, Fox and Friends earlier today, and I was uh, interested in the piece about the drug uh, distributions in California. And I can't understand really why uh, the the government can't do more. We we lose about a hundred thousand people a year to overdoses of these drugs, but that doesn't include the ones that are getting run down on the highways, on or are getting killed in drive-bys from gang wars and turf battles and so forth. So, if they really want to do something to try to put a stop to this, why don't they write some legislation? that would make heroin, fentanyl, cocaine, and all forms of methamphetamine weapons of terrorism and basically arrest anybody that's involved in the manufactured... Listen, John, you, you, you're approaching this like a rational human being. What people would have, know that China's manufacturing it, giving it the cartels, and doesn't even boast to the border? They, when they get with China, there's no proof that they even bring up fentanyl manufacturing. Number two, when it comes to the cartels, you don't even have pressure on the Mexican government to see how we can help suppress that. And then they don't, uh, they don't uh, build up the border. So you're looking at this as a rational human being saying we've got to stop this. But there's no interest in stopping it. And I can't understand why. If, you, if that doesn't lose you the suburban, uh, suburban vote, I don't know what does. Because it absolutely should. Thanks for the call, John. I appreciate it. Because, um, by the way, uh, the suburban vote had did leave Trump, especially suburban women.
But if he emphasized the fentanyl, if he sees what's happening now in these communities, they target these areas. And as people, for example, not just addicts. Yeah, I understand this is at the ball. They're buying more drugs. But let's say you're, you want some Ritalin because it helps you focus. So you get a friend of yours to give you some of your, uh, your ADD brother's Ritalin. Well, it turns out that Ritalin manufactured or bought on the, uh, uh, bought on the Internet might have fentanyl in it because it's not coming from a prescription, which a lot of people get their medication off-label. And next thing you know, they are dead. And you wonder, did he have a drug problem? Did she have a drug problem? The answer is no. Fentanyl is out to kill you, not addict you. If you are addicted, that's great. But better yet, from China's perspective, they better us. They much more, much more would like us dead. That would be key. Hey, go to BrianKillMe.com. I'm going to be on stage talking about all things red, white, and blue, including my book's president, and Freedom Fighter, I'll be at the Egg in Albany. Go to BrianKillMe.com. I'll see you September 8th. Don't move. When we come back, take more of your calls and go through your emails. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. From his mouth to, to your ears, ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. The two who won, the two who withstood this, all, they were both in something called an open primary. The way we do it now is the Republicans run only with Republicans voting, so the biggest nuts come out and vote for the biggest nut. And the Democrats have their version of that. They're not as nutty, but it's, you know, you just wind up with people who are the most fringe of each side. Open primaries, which we don't have much, but we have in these two places. Anybody from any party can get in, and then you appeal, have to appeal to more moderate voters. Is this not a fix for much of what ails us? I don't know. I, I don't know how would that work. I mean, it, so I want I'm only, if I'm a Democrat, I'm getting to Republican primary to get the nuttiest person, support the nuttiest person. But then you're not voting in the Democratic primary. You're voting once. Okay. So you're choosing them to vote you know, would you rather pick Especially the- if you're if you know your candidate's going to coast through like Ron DeSantis. Well, yeah, then it depends on it depends on the election. It depends on the state. I will say uh, General Petraeus says this a long time ago, that the problem with our system is the closed primary system because it, you know, elects the extremes on both sides, meaning you can only be, you know, registered to vote. Yeah, uh, I guess. I don't know how that's in the big picture really solves much because I don't about- think people sincerely are voting. No, it's like those people who came out against, uh, voted for these Donald Trump candidates. They voted, Democrats came out for the Donald Trump candidates because they thought they were easily beatable in November. But the thing also, you're not, because each state is different, right? So in many states, you can only vote in the primary if you're registered something. There are a lot of independents that don't vote at all in the primaries to bring forth more moderate candidates because they don't want to register as Democrat or Republican. So there's gotcha. a lot of factors in there. All right, Rich, listen to WDBO in Cocoa Beach, Florida. Hey, Rich. Hey, good morning, Brian. Hey, I just wanted to point out how hypocritical the Democrats are right now with, for instance, uh, Ukraine and Chicago, Illinois. On a weekend, there's as many people killed in Chicago as there is in Ukraine on a weekend, probably. And then uh, the money they spend on Ukraine, and they don't spend it seems – in fact, they, de- they dismantle the police in Chicago to some extent – it just blows my mind that they're so hypocritical. And uh, we're not even at war in Chicago, but we're, look how many people are dying. So, uh, I, Yeah, I mean, it's not just Chicago. Chicago used to be, wow, what's going on over there? Philadelphia, what's going on over there? Now it's Seattle. 
Now it is Portland. Now it's Los Angeles. Now it's San Francisco. Definitely is New York. No question about it. Murders are slightly down, but shootings aren't. Uh, that means you're just not as good a shot. And everything else, overall, crime is up 36% overall in New York. And I just think that everything, the one thing they have in common, they're all run by Democrats. If Republicans could get serious with a message and a plan, and that's one thing they should do if they get the House, start having meetings, not just about the House and Senate and the presidency, but start having meetings, which you could do locally. It was part of their success early on. One of the things that Reince Priebus did probably better than any other RNC chair is win those state houses. It set the groundwork for the gerrymandering. And the, for the redistricting, they also put governors in power, even when it came to voting. Thanks so much for the call. Anthony, WVMT. Anthony. Good morning, Brian. What you're talking about with open primaries uh, happened in Vermont, and a couple of interesting things occurred. We had, um, first off, we had somebody who was middle of the road who had a shot at, at becoming a senator and beating our Peter Welch, who's been in the House forever replacing Pat Leahy, who's been in the Senate forever. She lost to a, uh, a further right candidate because a lot of the middle-of-the-road Republicans pulled Democratic ballots to vote for a more middle-of-the-road Democrat running for House. So in a way, it, it kind of shifted uh, you know, the energy towards the middle, but um, Ultimately, we wound up uh, electing far left and far right people in each primary, even though in Vermont you could pull any ballot you want. You right. can only pull one. Yeah, I understand. So I don't I don't know if it does if it does us any good or not. And then the two Republican ladies that were running for for House, U.S. House, got beaten by a guy who declared that he's not a Republican, not going to run as a Republican, uh, but was more he identified with more voters in the Republican side, uh, and he wound up with 35 percent of the vote. And so now we have a Republican on the ballot who's already said he's not a Republican. Joke. Thanks. So it's, a, it's terrible. Uh, thanks so much. Appreciate it. In terms of what is happening, the leader of this party, Joe Biden, is not even standing up to his own party saying, guys, you went out of your way to put people into the primary you think you could beat like Doug, uh, Doug Mastriano. All right, fine. Do you know Mastriano's within three points of Shapiro in Pennsylvania? And they went out of their way to put some other radicals in there in Colorado. And I think they're doing quite well, too. So your own nightmare uh, that you authored might be coming together. In terms of the leader, he's always on vacation. The vice president's always on vacation. This setting new records did not elude Kellyanne Conway. Cut 23. The 11 most poisonous words I read every Friday afternoon, Jesse, are, quote, the vice president has nothing on our public schedule this weekend. Check it out. And uh, look, I, I think that for for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris to be on vacation so much, Biden is and he's, this is his 150th day in Delaware since he's become president. That's pretty remarkable. I think they've become the vacation czar and vacation czarina. <laughs> and it comes at a time when majorities of Americans say they're suffering. They can't pay the bills. They're truly pessimistic and worried about their own economic situation and that of the nation. And you just don't see enough activity from our president and our vice president. I agree. So listen, uh, I, I just think that, number one, I don't have a problem with vacation. If you're working, this guy's not working. And why go to Delaware? It's so close to Washington. So why, if you work your whole life, 50 years to get to the White House, why don't you want to be there? Why do you always have to run to your beach house? 
And then at which time you're not taking any questions at all, one word answers, just blinking the press, sit out there the whole time and not say anything. It makes people think you're not even calling the shots that you're not even in charge. So far, you have President Trump was never like that. And they Ron Klain actually falls President Trump for the expectations the president's going to be as engaged and accessible. No, don't blame him. That was his style. And that's pretty much why he's got 40 percent of the vote still uh, in his in in his um, in his camp. And the other major issue is we just had Jared Kushner on Fox and Friends, at which time he just talked about how they got up every day looking to get things done. And he did especially he did trade deals. He'll be on our show shortly. Uh, He did trade deals. He did the Abraham Accords. He got 400 miles built of the wall, repurposing defense uh, department funds when they only gave him one point six billion to do it. They did uh, they did uh, criminal justice reform. Uh, in order, they revamped sentencing when they did that. So they were looking to do in the trade deals. They did USMCA. They did South Korea. Uh, they did a few others. They did phase one of China, and that all blew up when they poisoned the world with their pandemic. But they got up every day looking to get things done. You can't do that by getting up every day looking to go on vacation. You want to do your work in order to call your shots. And in order to do your work to call your shots, in politics, you get the job by competing and winning Why, once you get it, don't you show up to actually run the thing? The other big story is the guy that's not going to be showing up after December is Anthony Fauci. He is going to be done. Thank goodness. Remember, he considered himself above all, and he got insulted when he was challenged constantly by Senator Rand Paul, now always by, I think, at least half the country. To me, he doesn't realize it, but he's been totally defamed and disgraced. Here's a little of Anthony Fauci showing that arrogance, cut 11. So it's easy to criticize, but they're really criticizing science because I represent science. You're really attacking not only Dr. Anthony Fauci, you're attacking science. I'm the bad guy to an entire subset of people because I represent something that is uncomfortable for them. It's called the truth. Yeah, that's uncomfortable, the truth. No, your statements as the truth, not to be challenged, may be uncomfortable. Remember, he was all over the place. We made it worse. He never admitted it. We taped it. Listen. People should not be walking around with masks. Let me just state for the record that masks are not theater. Wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better. And masks are protective. And we but it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. People keep fiddling with the mask and they keep touching their face. But in a situation where you have people indoors, particularly crowded, you should wear a mask. So even if you are vaccinated, you should wear a mask. If, in fact, you are vaccinated, fully vaccinated, you are protected and you do not need to wear a mask outdoors or indoors. I did not hear that last one. That's the first time I heard that. So he was saying originally he came out and said, if you're vaccinated, this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. So then people get vaccinated. They started getting it. Listen, it's not perfect, but uh, Operation Warp Speed worked. But then when the variants came in, it seemed as though Operation Warp Speed would only help you with the symptoms. He never told us that. So when we still got it while vaccinated and it wasn't rare, which they said it was 92 percent effective, it's now about 60 percent effective. If you look at the stats and almost 10 percent effective, that's my words, with these new variants, with two or three variants in deep. So we might have the best so-called shot. It should be called shot, not a vaccine. But it's not what they sold us as it was. And they never admitted that they changed and moved the goalpost. That's what drives me nuts. It's going to be an interesting end to 
Anthony Fauci's career. There's got to be a reason why he's calling it quits. Brian Kilmeade Show. Barney next. Now, the Brian Kilmeade Show joins Fox Business's Varney and Company with Stuart Varney, live on your radio and on Fox Business. Here's Brian Kilmeade. Yeah, we got a few seconds, then we're going to go back and dive into immigration. Uh, Stuart Varney on uh, FBN, the fast-growing cable station in all the country, although we're streaming as much as we're watching cable these days, and we got to wonder how long we're going to pay that cable bill. We'll have to see about that, and then we'll... Talk about uh, something else, we assume. They were right after I'm done with Stewart. So stick on uh, call now, one eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine, And then what I'll do is be able to squeeze in some calls at the, uh, the other side. Uh, meanwhile, we're just finding more and more out about the primaries. Uh, it looks like a light turnout in Florida, we understand. New York expected to be a little bit better, a little bit more intriguing because of the redistricting, because people motivated. So let's listen in. 10.51, that means Brian Kilmeade joins us. All right, Brian, New York City has seen an influx of, what, 6,000 illegal migrants just since May. They're dropping off by the busload in New York City. In D.C., the Pentagon has again denied Mayor Bowser's request for the National Guard to help with the migrants. Why did these places declare themselves sanctuary cities in the first place? Because they want to be politically correct. You look at Chicago, you look at all these other uh, left-wing-run cities. They said, we're tired of these great people, and they might be, uh, being feeling as though they could be arrested and deported at any moment. So if you stay, the cops now know they can't arrest you unless you're breaking the law. By being here illegally, if you're a sanctuary city, you're not breaking the law. So now, if you come here illegally... You can stay. So when with Governor Abbott said, OK, we'll send you some illegals since you, we seem to have some extra. And now they're complaining. You see Bowser get turned down again in D.C. for national uh, from uh, from the national uh, from National Guard. They, he says we can't use it. We can't start doing that. They're not trained to handle this. So when Joe Biden actually comes back to work, which I think should be in a day or two, take your time. It's only been three weeks. And plus, if you factor in the fact he had covid-19. Uh, for for about three months after before that. He hasn't worked in a, quite a while. So when he goes back to work, when Bowser calls 1-800-WHITE-HOUSE and says, I got a huge legal immigration problem, do you think Joe Biden will have the leadership quality or temerity to go behind a microphone and says, we have to handle the border? Because the border has now come to his doorstep. Governor Abbott made a great move, a desperate move, a costly move, but a great move. The border has come to every town and city and state in the United States, and that's a fact. Brian, you've got a new Fox Nation special out tomorrow called Who is Joe Rogan? Let's give our viewers a brief preview. Roll tape, please. Joe Rogan has just done and said what he wanted to say. And I think that's very appealing. It's not easy. You have to have confidence. People have a strong reaction to Joe Rogan. He seems cocky. He seems in your face. He seems a little bit edgy. So you're either going to love him or you hate him. But you're going to know who he is. Brian, I, I think he's a very, a very interesting broadcaster. I mean, always intrigued by his subjects and how he goes about covering them. I mean, most of his uh, people that he interviews are comedians or they're UFC fighters or they're deep thinkers. It's a little bit different. He's not looking for big-name personalities necessarily. Most of them aren't. Would you have Joe Rogan just is humble enough to ask a question about people who have an expertise, is extremely yeah. well-read. The question yeah. is, where did he come from? He came out as an actor, then a comedian, then fear factor, and then he burst on, got bigger as a comedian, and then came out with this podcasting idea before outside Adam Carolla, almost nobody else was doing it, said, just let me roll for three, four hours. Everyone mm-hmm. thought, you're crazy. 
Spotify said you didn't. I have a better idea. Instead of crazy, here's $100 million. Keep doing it. Just do it for us. So we're still waiting for that call. Everyone said three minutes, attention span. That's the, that's the MTV generation. Not so much when it comes to Joe Rogan. Exactly. I remember his interview with uh, Elon Musk, where Musk was sitting there smoking weed. That was quite a breakthrough. That made some headlines. It really did. Well, one thing Hi, that, Stuart, you don't do that he does, he, he lets you drink on the set with him or do whatever you want. That's not something Stuart Varney allows. That's not something that I allow. No, we don't want that. that. <laughs> Absolutely not. No way. Coffee or tea or ice That's water. It. That's it. Yeah, Brian, I think you're all right, and I expect to see you again soon. And you can watch the full special, Who is Joe Rogan, tomorrow exclusively on foxnation.com. Good stuff. Sounds good. Programming uh, notes. Appreciate it. My uh, other show. Stuart Varney, that's great. Uh, that's Who Is. Uh, that's one, one thing we're going to be doing on a regular basis. Find out people like Alec Baldwin. You see people in the news. Uh, you see people in the news like uh, Amber Heard, and then next thing you know, we'll re- be able to react, be nimble enough with the staff on Fox Nation to put together a special where people are intrigued. But here's the thing. We're going to be doing Ron DeSantis, too. So I thought, do we want to interview Ron DeSantis? And they said, no, we don't. We want people to talk about them. We don't want people's view of themselves. So that's kind of interesting, an interesting approach. Um, one of the guys that uh, we might be doing is Anthony Fauci. We were discussing that before we went on break. What Anthony Fauci is going to be looking at, I think, is some investigations where people like Rachel Maddow, this would bother me most. He pretends to be a nonpartisan player, a scientist, but he's really a Democrat, not subtly, but but holistically. Remember, the first thing he said when he got uh, when Trump left is now that I could do your show, Rachel, I made Rachel Maddow, you're my favorite show. Really? You're not a Rachel Maddow fan and you don't call it your favorite show unless you are a left wing person. Because you wouldn't be interested in that show, and maybe 1% is interested in the show just for opposition research purposes. So he let his colors be known, and the way he was supported Black Lives Matter and their marches right in the thrust of the pandemic and some of the anti-police marches uh, in the middle of the George Floyd riots wouldn't come out against that, but at the same time come out against, I don't know, kids in the classroom, not six feet apart. As Senator... Kennedy said, we're going to be asking Anthony Fauci some questions, whether he's on duty or not. Cut 13. We're going to ask him questions about gain-of-function research, why he didn't push back on China's lies, uh, why he pushed back so hard on the possibility, which we know is now real, that the virus originated in a Chinese lab, um, why he went along with the greatest... um, dissipation, if that's the right word, greatest taking of civil liberties of the American people in the history of our country, we're going to have a lot of questions, and and we're going to subpoena him and expect him to answer. And I don't expect him to do a lot of answering, and of course he'll get the old save from the Democrats, which is just crazy. It's hard to get, you know, even President Trump says, "I'm, I'm confused, when I bring up the vaccine, people boo, but Operation Warp Speed produced it. It's true. It's because it was used as a hammer and a mandate. And Anthony Fauci led that mandate. The American people don't like it. I hate it, especially when it comes to health care. We don't accept it, except during this pandemic, from people whose beliefs don't end up being facts. Brian Kilmeade Show. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox & Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade.
Hi, everyone. Brian Kilmeade. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. Seth Barron at the bottom of the hour, managing editor of the American Mind and author of The Last Days of New York. You want to go inside New York and its politics? He's a one-stop shopping there. And Josh Kraschauer is standing by, uh, senior political correspondent at Axios. You see him all over our channel, too. And we're monitoring all series of events. By the way, I haven't discussed this yet, but it looks like Russia is beginning to shut down the Nord Stream 1 pipeline to Europe, which Donald Trump said, why even do it in Nord Stream 2? You should have a Nord Stream 1, which means they're letting letting Europe play to being toyed with. Let them know that, hey, you know what? If you don't do X, Y, and Z, maybe I'll shut down natural gas entirely. Why would you go in bed with your enemy, someone capable of doing this? Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Right now we're dealing with a a politically motivated policy emergency, and we think it can be a crisis in our city. That's why we've asked for federal support. Mayor Bowser in D.C. and New York City are starting to get a true taste of the border state chaos Biden has caused and help to not on the help is not on the way for the mayor, uh, Adams or Bowser. Number two, you hate to think politics could affect Tony Fauci's judgment as a scientist. But is it possible this thoroughly nonpartisan man of medicine has thought about what might happen in November when the Republican Congress takes over? Yeah, that is kind of strange. Fauci says he's gone in December, but clearly Republicans are not done with him. While Dems call him a hero, I believe he's done great harm to millions while never admitting a single misstep. Number one. The one thing that clearly is wrong is the Biden White House should not be able to waive the executive privilege of President Trump. That would make the executive privilege a nullity. Really? Uh, Alan Dershowitz, Trump on offense at the government leaks contents of their raid in New York in the New York Times, saying there were 300 classified documents. We'll bring you the latest. And let's bring in Josh Krashar, uh, the senior political correspondent with Axios. Josh, welcome back. Hey, Brian. Good to be back on the show. Hey, Josh, what are you finding happened since the raid with Donald Trump's fortunes on uh, Mar-a-Lago? Well, look, politically speaking, Brian, he's only improved his standing within the Republican Party. Uh, There was an NBC poll out last weekend showing that more and more Republicans identify with Trump more than just the the traditional Republican Party. Uh, You see his his numbers going up with the base in in a lot of recent polls. Uh, He's only enhanced his his prospects uh, if he decides to run in a a 2024 presidential primary. Now, I'm not sure if you know, overall, with the independents, the swing voters, I'm, I'm, to be determined, we'll see where this legal case goes. But in the meantime, there's a lot, you know, we've talked about this before, a lot of concern about the overreach of the bureaucracy, the FBI's decision making in this case. And we'll find out what, what, what they've discovered, hopefully, in, in the near future. But in the short term, the base is much more aligned with Donald Trump right now. Right. It's, it's strange. If I was to tell you this pre-Trump, well, there'll be a raid on a candidate or a former president's home, and they find documents there that are uh, confidential, secret on any level, 300 confidential documents. Uh, you would say, well, that's trouble. Uh, they'll probably done. But with Trump, it's just a b- different barometer. How do you explain it? So Trump has really conditioned a lot of his core supporters to distrust the government distrust the federal bureaucracy, even distrust uh, law enforcement in the case of the FBI, at least the leadership in Washington. So that is that was a theme of his presidency. Uh, the party changed quite a bit in, in, in the last five years. So, you know, even 
other Republicans looking to run for president, someone like Ron DeSantis, he 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 would be running and is governing Florida with a similar theme about the overreaching uh, bureaucrats uh, in Washington and and, and folks in, in Florida as well. Trump has done that on on, on steroids, and he's targeted the FBI. He's targeted some of the law enforcement agencies. So inherently, there there's a reflexive reason for uh, Trump voters, Trump supporters, to be skeptical of, 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 of the merits of, 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 the, of, the, of, the, um, of the search by the FBI. So do you, are you someone who subscribes, Josh, that Democrats have momentum? I do. I mean, look, I, I, I think it's uh, – be careful not to overstate how much momentum. But Republicans were looking at a historic – uh, midterm election. It was it was about the numbers in the polls were as good as it's gotten for Republicans throughout most of the spring. Democrats have closed the gap a little bit. Their base is coming home. The gas prices are going down. It's still looking like a very good year for Republicans, just not quite where things look like in June or July. Understood. So part of the reason some people have pointed to is abortion. The Roe v. Wade and the different governors who have said, okay, zero There'll be zero or they're just 15 weeks, whatever it is. It's forced everyone to look at this issue and bring it front and center. It's uh, the last polls I saw. It had that issue as one or two among people's chief concerns. Is that what you're finding? Yeah, it's popping up. Uh, it depends on what poll you're looking at. But but clearly abortion was not even registering as a top issue before the the. Uh, the, the decision overturning Roe v. Wade, and now it, it's either number two, number three. Uh, the Fox poll had it way up on the list. I think the big the big takeaway is that the Democratic base is, is coming home. If you look at the polls throughout most of the year, they had nothing to celebrate. Biden Biden's agenda was scuttled. The the Republicans seem to be getting their way and blocking a lot of a lot of that that agenda, and the, the, they just weren't excited about anything uh, the party was up to. And the 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 best way to kind of get your voters to the polls is through grievance and being upset about something. And when the court overturned. Uh, Roe v. Wade and set set in play the the future of abortion rights in some key states that gave Democrats something to show up for in the midterms. So if you look at the politics of it, the president got his chips bill. He got bipartisan infrastructure bill, got bipartisan gun, uh, some type of gun bill out there to a degree. And then he's just got his mini build back better plan. And then he immediately stayed on vacation uh, and it doesn't seem to really help him that much in the polls. Some have speculated, I'm one of them, that it's because he's passing his agenda, not necessarily the agenda that helps the American people, first and foremost, inflation. This bill does not help inflation, even though it's named after it. They've quickly pivoted and now call it the climate bill, basically, even though it's named the same thing. Do you agree with that, that maybe the president's approval rating is at 40 because He's doing stuff for his people, not necessarily the American people. Well, I think you're right, Brian, that when you're calling something the Fight Inflation Act and it doesn't really that – that's not the purpose of this bill, uh, it really raises some credibility issues. Uh, they, 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 it also acknowledges that the Republican argument that inflation is the top issue, the cost of goods, the cost of gas, that's the number one issue in the race. Democrats are basically saying, yeah, we agree with you because we needed to brand this uh, as, a, as a fight in inflation bill, even though it's mainly about climate change and, and uh, health care prices. So – I think the best thing that Democrats got from the bill is that they were united, that, that Joe Manchin is now on the same page as Elizabeth Warren, that that helps 
in the sense that the party at least isn't as disillusioned and dispirited going into the midterms. But the notion that voters are going to be going to the polls in November voting on this bill when it doesn't affect them for, for many years, when it really doesn't deal with the biggest priority right now, which is the cost of, of goods, the cost of groceries, the cost of gas, uh, that, that it, it's really going to be more of a nothing burger. It, it's not going to have a huge impact on the midterm trajectory. So that's uh, just interesting. We'll see what's going to happen. Obviously, it's a lifetime, and we're going to have to see the president again at some point. I think he comes off vacation on Wednesday. A couple of things that I want to take a look at, and that's what's happening with candidates that could be in this race. One is Gavin Newsom. One reason people, experts like you, might conclude that he is going to put his hat in the ring is his decision to not support this supervised drug injection center. These sites that allow people and give people drugs to inject themselves in a safe way is something that maybe Californians might like, but the rest of the country would be repulsed by. And if you want to win over the rest of the country, you don't say yes to this. He said no to it. Brian, I don't even think Californians would support these drug injection centers. This is not popular even within the most blue states, and that's why he's against it. And I think he also is looking to 2024 and a possible presidential campaign. That said, like there are a lot of other issues in California. This is just one of the many problems that California is facing, whether it's rising crime, homelessness, uh, the rise of, of, of real estate. It's hard for anyone in the middle class to afford a house in some of the big cities and big markets in California. So, so, yeah, the part of the Newsom challenge, if he ever wants to run for, for president, is dealing with the California story, which has not been a good story for, for a whole lot of Californians uh, lately. Um, now, I do think that Newsom, the Democratic Party has moved leftwards. He is someone who's from outside of Washington. Uh, and so he, he you could see him as a very plausible candidate just with the base. Like he certainly has appeal as a charismatic governor from a big, big Democratic state. Um, but boy, there's, it's not just the drug injection sites. It's the, the progressive prosecutors in San Francisco and L.A. It's, it's the homelessness crisis. It's the rise of real estate. And there are a lot of other challenges he would face. He would be very vulnerable, especially in the general election, uh, to the record that, that he's governed in, in California. Absolutely. So Mitch McConnell made some news by what he didn't say, and that is we are going to win the Senate. Listen, I think the, the- there's a, probably a greater likelihood the House flips than the Senate. Senate races are just different. They're statewide. Uh, candidate quality has a lot to do with the outcome. Hey, thanks. Uh, that wasn't exactly a, a Newt Rockney speech. Well, where Kevin McCarthy's cheerleading all around, that's not Mitch McConnell's approach. Doesn't he want to be in the majority? What's behind this? Well, look, I, I think I don't, I don't think it's McConnell's uh, assessment that that's that, that that's going to determine the, the outcome. It's going to be the quality of the candidates themselves. And he's, you know, so it's like in sports when you're when you're when you're losing, you're having a tough season. A lot, sometimes the manager blames the GM or the ownership or, you know, there's a lot of finger pointing going on. And there's already a whole lot of finger pointing going on among Republicans. But it's the preseason. Yeah, it is. like We're, we're in the scrimmage phase yeah. of, of, of football season and of politics season. And you're, you're already seeing a lot of fingers being pointed. Look, I mean, look, McConnell had very deep concerns about some of these candidates uh, from the outset. Uh, he, he, he actually got behind Herschel Walker in, in Georgia, but Blake Masters in Arizona, Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania, these are candidates that were not McConnell's top choices. So these were Trump's candidates. Clearly, McConnell and Trump do not have a, a good relationship right now. And this is McConnell kind of saying, hey, 
I'm not sure if we're going to pick up the Senate because of some of the quality of the, the candidates that I had nothing to do with. Josh, it's amazing because I expect you to say that. You're an analyst. I wouldn't expect the senator to say that and just make bring questions up to people going, yeah, I don't really know about this doctor from TV. I'm not sure about this running back from Georgia. Well, either was the senator and the, the most powerful senator in, uh, in the Republican Party. But listen to what Newt Gingrich says. He says, when you look at Fetterman, when you see his health, when you see his track record, understand that he's Bernie Sanders and Bernie Sanders would not get elected in Pennsylvania. He believed Dr. Oz is going to be fine. Cut 22. You have in Fetterman somebody so radical that he can't possibly represent the people of Pennsylvania. Uh, And I think that's what makes all of this dangerous. We just saw this in Wyoming where Liz Cheney was repudiated, getting only 29 percent of the vote. Uh, And I think that's because you have this growing gap. I I suspect when the average Pennsylvanian looks at Dr. Oz's real record, looks at Fetterman's real record and asks themselves, which person is going to fight for Pennsylvania in the U.S. Senate? Uh, I have a hunch that Oz is going to win a surprisingly big victory. And I know Newt has worked personally with Herschel Walker, too, to get him ready on uh, various issues. Walker's within the margin of error. What's the biggest hurdle for Oz? Yeah, the biggest hurdle for Oz is, frankly, the Republican. I mean, the, the, he, he did not convince a whole lot of conservative Republicans, even with Trump's endorsement, that he was credible on, on some of the big issues they care about. So the biggest issue, I, I, I think Newt Gingrich is right, that you know, as this becomes a race between a, a very progressive guy in Fetterman and, 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 and Oz, I think some of those Republicans, some of those conservatives come home to Oz. But his biggest worry is just getting the Republicans on the same team, because uh, it's not just McConnell. You have a lot of conservative uh, activists in Pennsylvania that watch video of Oz's show, and he said things that uh, you know they, they, they don't align with their with their worldview. But um, yeah, I think that race is going to close. Pennsylvania is always a, a close, close uh, competitive state. Um, and, and, and same with uh, you know Georgia is, is close. Herschel Walker is is trailing in the polls, but it's only by a few points, mostly margin of error. And uh, you know you have a bunch of races that are still competitive, and Republicans haven't started spending a whole lot of money yet. You're going to see a lot more money in the next couple months, tens of millions of dollars into these big Senate battlegrounds. So, you're Brian, you're right. This is the preseason. This is like you know doing some scouting reports on, 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 on the teams, and maybe someone doesn't think they have a good chance, but the races really haven't begun yet. We're going to start seeing the ads. We're going to start seeing these candidates on the campaign trail, and that's when people start paying attention. Josh, if President Trump gets into the race, the candidates, the legitimate candidates I see getting in would be Governor Christie, I see uh, Governor Yunkin, and Mike Pence. Do you see any others, the legitimate candidates? Well, Ron DeSantis, I think, is going to be a big a against big question Trump. Mark. Uh, well, I, I, I would not rule that out. Now, I think that the ra- the what happened over the last couple of weeks, what happened at Mar-a-Lago, uh, doesn't uh, improve DeSantis's chances. In fact, DeSantis has gone from being tied with Trump in some polls to now being back in second place by quite some distance. But no, I you know I would not you know it depends on how Trump looks by the time DeSantis has to make a decision. He he is the Republican that's generating a whole lot of interest and support from from, from a lot of Republicans of all stripes, and uh, that that is the most important candidate uh, as far as I'm concerned in terms of the decision making process. Whether he runs or not, it would change the, the trajectory of the of the 2024 race. Real, real quick, I'm up against it, but my theory is if DeSantis wins, the dam the damage he'd have to do to Trump and each other would mean that he'd lose a lot of the Trump supporters. And why, Why, if that's the price you pay, you can't win the general. Final thought on that? Yeah, I mean, that that is the risk. That is definitely the risk. But you also you mentioned Chris Christie, Brian. 
he decided not to run in 2012 against Mitt Romney, I think he might regret that because that might have been his moment to shine. And sometimes when you wait too long, you're, you know, you deal with other issues in your home state, your damaged goods. And in the yeah. end, you, you miss that opportunity. So it's, it's, a, it's a very tough decision. Risk reward. Great analysis. Uh, thanks so much, Josh. Your call's next. Brian Kilmeade Show. Then Seth Farron, the bottom of the hour. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Isn't it wild that Hollywood in general is very anti-gun? Yes. But they promote guns more than any other media on the planet. Right. All their best movies, whether it's The Gray Man or whether you're watching The Terminal List or Mission Impossible, right. it's all guns save the day. Guns yes. kill aliens, guns kill werewolves, guns kill everyone. Yeah. Everyone bad gets killed by guns. That's but right. But guns are bad and you shouldn't have guns. It's crazy. Yeah, Joe Rogan knows Hollywood and knows hypocrisy. Alex, real quick, in WABC in Brooklyn. Alex. Yeah, uh, thanks for taking the call. Actually, about what Joe Rogan just said, could be Hollywood. They feel responsible for many of the shootings because they're educating kids into this environment where they're watching all these shooting movies. Could be they want the guns out of the streets and out of the hands of these kids because they feel partly responsible. But the thing about the border I wanted to talk I think that it's to- so wrong to give for these illegal immigrants um, cell phones, five-star hotels, and all this money when we have of thousands of homeless veterans and homeless American people on the streets. Why are we treating the illegal immigrants better than these people that are homeless on the streets? I understand maybe, you know, bring them in because you feel bad for them. But why are you treating them better than our own citizens? That's- I hear you, Alex. There's so, much, uh, there's so many other things that uh, New Yorkers need. You can't be given to people that don't even pay taxes here. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. I took action in my own hands. I directed the Department of Corrections and Community Supervision to immediately examine whether or not this parole violation occurred. Yes, it did. You could tell it occurred. This was a person on lifetime parole. And as of minutes ago, that person is now in custody. That is at my direction. The people of New York need to know that as their governor, I'll stand up and protect them. Oh, come on. Governor Hochul standing up after the sucker punch video cycled around for 24 hours and they knocked it down to a misdemeanor instead of attempted murder, despite the fact that a victim was in a coma with a brain bleed and a crushed eye socket and was on permanent lifetime probation. Seth Barron with us now, managing, er- uh, managing editor of The American Mind and author of The Last Days of New York. I would say Seth knows enough about New York politics than just about anyone over the last uh, few decades. Seth, your reaction to Governor Hochul stepping up and being tough on crime? Oh, she's a superhero, Brian. (laughs) Ah. She's going to save the city. Oh, I mean, that was just too rich. I mean, for one thing, yes, this guy was on lifetime parole for raping a teenager uh, 30 years ago. So she's saying, like, she's basically saying, like, we should be happy that he did that because otherwise he'd still be on the streets. I mean, that's the real problem. The fact of the matter is his parole should have been violated instantly. And, you know, she didn't have anything to do with that. 
The real question is, why was he allowed back out after punching this guy in the face? That was ridiculous. And it's because of these terrible bail laws. And she won't do anything about it. And would you say the Brooklyn DA pushed for that, too? The Bronx DA. Bronx. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. The Bronx DA downgraded the charges. The cops had him charged with attempted murder, and she downgraded it to a misdemeanor assault. How is that a misdemeanor? Walking up behind somebody and punching them? There was no fight. There was no argument. Listen, here's a, the, the main problem is Kathy Hochul doesn't want to do her job. She doesn't want to push the legislature to change these laws or impose a danger. Do you realize, Brian, New York is the only state in the entire country that does not have a dangerousness standard, which means that the judge can say, okay, well, this person's clearly a danger to the community. They're not getting bail. Um, New York doesn't have that. And you know why? Because the leftists say, oh, that'll just... um, That'll just let racist judges, you know, keep keep black and brown people in jail. Uh, I mean, that's ridiculous because we're talking about judges up in the Bronx, like the most liberal judges in the country. Um, this is a total disaster. Kathy Hochul is ridiculous. I can't imagine anybody is going to buy this. Well, I, I, I don't think anyone is. But Lee Zeldin was about to have a press conference and she trumped him by 30 minutes in order to well, say that. I mean, that tells you everything you need to know. Look, the state, uh, the people in power in the state have completely lost it. All Hochul wants to talk about, and this goes for Eric Adams, too. All they want to talk about is guns and the need for, you know, federal gun control, as though that's going to save save New York. Uh, So whenever there's somebody punches somebody, somebody stabs somebody, that's like, the worst day for them because they can't start squawking about guns and also, the need for federal gun control. Seth, also, they, they wanted to talk about qualified immunity. That's what if you want to win in New York and beat the odds where there's every three Democrats or every one Republican, you have to run on crime because it's affecting everybody's life. And even in the suburbs, but especially in the city and soon in the extremely nice areas, uh, it bleeds into there, pun intended. Often, and that's what that's what I think Lee Zeldin has to run on, and he's got to get somehow into the city. I think he's got upstate. I think he's got the majority of Long Island, but he needs what about thirty percent in New York City? Yeah, I think. Well, I've heard that basically he would need one third. Um, look, I mean, look, it's a tough. It's 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 tough for a Republican to win um, a statewide election. If it's going to happen, it could be this year because, I mean. The failures of the Democrats who have total control of the entire state and they got everything they want and everything's just, and, and we see what it got. We see what we're getting. You know, I mean, it, it's just a total meltdown every single day, Brian, every day. There's another case of somebody getting punched on the subway, somebody getting stabbed in the subway, somebody getting stabbed in a park. It's ridiculous. We didn't see this before. It's not a mystery. It's a question of policing and law enforcement. And it doesn't have to be heavy-handed. It's just like, hey, you know, let's, uh, let's, let's arrest people. Let's, well, it's the same you know, people committing, committing the crime, crime, right? The same people committing the crime every single time. The majority of the crime, there's a very small number of people, but the cops are disempowered. Thirty-five, uh, thirty to 35,000 allowed 
with the NYPD. Now, Eric Adams seems to be talking a big game, unlike DeBasio. Has he made any market improvement in any place? Well, murders and shootings are down a little bit. But, I mean... Crime is at up 34%. Crime, violent crime is way up. So, I mean, I, I guess maybe they're... Maybe they've gone after a few of the people who are the shooters. But, I mean, as far as, like, random street crime, no, it's terrible. Uh, I mean, he seems to really enjoy, like, being the mayor. Apparently that's what, like, Bloomberg has said about him. Like, he just likes being mayor. But it's it's not a uh, – look, he, again, he says, well, the judges need to do something. The DAs need to do something. The feds need to do something. He, he needs to go out. He needs to, you know, go to um, – his friend's restaurant. That, that's what he seems to like to do. Eric, Eric Adams, um, evidently, he's the nightlife mayor. He, for example, went to the Zero Bond, a high-end midtown eatery, um, and he doesn't want to tell anyone who he's going with. He also gets into exclusive clubs that cost $4,000 a year, like Zero Bond. And he says, I will not tell you who I went with because then you'll, all of a sudden you'll harass them. But he loves hanging out at night. I don't mind if he wants to be a celebrity, but he's got to first do his job. Look, there's big questions, and I think these are going to start swirling, and I I suspect there's probably dirty stuff going on. Maybe not. I mean, he's hanging out with convicted felons, and, you know, it sounds like he might be taking favors. No, you're right. All of that would be nothing if he was, like, keeping crime down and, you know, keeping the streets safe, which is what he ran on, frankly. I mean, that's why he was elected. And instead, yeah, yeah. People outside the country, Seth Barron, who don't know New York like you do and lived here and write about it in your books and your columns, don't understand. They think that probably Kathy Hochul was the next the heir apparent to Governor Cuomo. But in reality, they had absolutely no relationship. He was looking to sew up New York State, upstate New York, named her. And now she's governor. Is she equipped? No, she's ridiculous. He, he appointed he made her lieutenant governor just because he needed a woman. And he needed someone pliable and, like, just a zero. Uh, she's a total accidental governor. Um, and she's, you know, they're trying to carry her across the line. Uh, she, I mean, what was she before? She, I mean, I guess she was, a, she was appointed to serve out a term in Congress. And then she was the Erie County clerk. Um, she's, she's, she's terrible. I mean, she, she's just really bad. And, no, she's not qualified. But, you know. Look, this is who we're stuck with. This is what we've got in New York State. Uh, Unfortunately, you have to be right. Big story over the weekend about Governor Cuomo from the number one Democratic governor in the country, a man many people thought will be president. Now he's sleeping on his his brother's couch or his sister's house. What happened to him and why do you think he can mount a comeback? Well, you know, that's a good question. Uh, I had thought if he ran as an independent, he might have had a really good shot. Um, Even with the it, harassment allegations, not so much bad governor, but harassment, five million to write a book about surviving the pandemic with the nursing home thing still, you think so? Well, I mean, I don't like him, but he still seems to be kind of popular. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of people just saw it as, like a that there was some political payback going on um that that people in the within the party took him out for for their own reasons 
he apparently still polls pretty well. I, whether there's a comeback coming, I mean, the guy's like, he's not like a kid. Um, you know, it would be interesting to see. Yeah, I guess so. Seth Barron, best of luck. Thanks so much. You can follow him at Seth Barron NYC uh, and also read about him uh, in the American mind. Seth, thank you. Thanks, Brian. His book, The Last Days in New York, is out there. Quite insightful and humorous. So when we come back, I'll finish up with your calls and find out if there's indeed more to know. You listen to The Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you are. Expanding your knowledge base. It's The Brian Kilmeade Show. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, welcome back, everyone. i got a few minutes here be, uh, before we uh, close out the show. Just let me remind you, if you want to have a great red, white, and blue night, the night that you'll enjoy be able to interact with something I love doing on this show, go to briankilmead.com. I'll be in Albany at the Egg September 8th. Then November 11th, uh, 12th, and 13th, I'll be from Brandon, Mississippi, going out over to uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. So go to briankilmead.com, order tickets, and uh, the if you get the VIP, I get there early and have a chance to talk to you, answer your questions, sign your books. Uh, so let's find out if there's more to know. More to know. Tom Brady returns to Bucks practice. Nice of him. Eleven days off after he took the te- after he took eleven days to deal with a personal issue. What is that about? Brady initially left camp on August 11th with Bucks head coach Todd Bowles explaining to reporters at the time the quarterback was dealing with some personal things. Meanwhile, the Bucks, meanwhile, played two preseason games while Brady was out, losing to Miami and to the Titans August 20th. I'm wondering if this guy's even committed. Does he still want to do this? Does he want to be a celebrity? I mean, I hope it's nothing serious, but if it wasn't really serious and he just wants to do personal things, I mean, come on, what's happening? Yeah, how does that go to the rest of the team? How does it make them feel? Right, he guy retired. Stay retired if you don't want to play it. If you have a personal issue, you know, some with your family, then then go have at it. You're 45 years old; you should be able to. But if it's just to do a production deal or a business deal, that's not cool. Next, Brady denies being the mass singer appearance during the break on the Buccaneers. TB12 had social media in a frenzy last week when one user speculated the quarterback was taking a break to be the masked singer. On top of those, Brady's absence had been a mystery, and considering the masked singer is all about secrets, it would make sense for him to do that hush hush. So, I mean, could Tom Brady even be more perfect if he had this amazing voice? What is it? What is the theory? You actually sing and they guess who's singing? Yeah, you're in some elaborate costume, so you can't tell who the person is at all. And they sort of sing and dance a little bit, but the costumes are usually didn't, didn't pretty Rudy big. Didn't Giuliani do it and someone storm off? Oh, yeah, one of the judges. Like, yeah. why would you do that? But, I mean, imagine, I mean, I really don't think he is, but imagine he comes out and has his, like, Michael Buble voice. I mean, it wouldn't be oh, fair. it's really your voice. It's really your voice, yes. Wow. That's the whole thing. They're not judging you on, like, what you look like or anything. It's strictly who has the best voice. Next, Kim and Kourtney Kardashian, Sylvester Stallone, Dwayne Wade, Kevin Hart have something in common. They all got slammed for using excessive water amounts during a drought in California. Uh, Kim Kardashian used 232,000 more gallons of water than she's permitted. Stallone, 230,000. The average uh, Los Angelino, 72 gallons of water. Now, I can't believe the Sylvester Stallone that I know would ever allow this to happen. I want a gal- I want a recount. On the amount of water, maybe there's a reason for it. Well, sometimes there are. Um, in a story I've seen before, I forget what celebrity gave this um, reasoning, which makes sense. 
they have a lot of very mature trees on the property. So you, what would you rather than these trees to die and you have nothing, or you want to trees continue? usually just dig deeper roots? Don't well, they? I mean, if there's a drought overall, it doesn't matter how deep you go, you're still not getting water. I say one thing: you should call my brother up and do turf. Right? Everyone should turf their backyards. I'm sure they would love that in Beverly Hills. Next, LeBron James' son, Bryce, I did not know he had a son, Bryce, 15, receives his first college basketball scholarship offer. Uh, he tweeted this out. On Sunday, Bryce shared an Instagram story that he received his first Division One offer from Duquesne University in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Quote, blessed to receive my first D1 offer from Duquesne. Hashtag Go Dukes. James is part of the class of 2025. The prominent college basketball recruiting outlet don't have a star rating for him as of yet. He's 6'3", 165 pounds, which is not great dimensions for a basketball player, but doesn't preclude you from anything. He's just got to have he's got to have quickness. Yeah, so my question is, if he's getting these offers, is that usually like a full ride? They don't have to pay yes. anything? There's I no mean, question. but can he like defer that money to someone else? Like as if he actually needs someone to pay for his college when his father's LeBron James? Never thought about that. I mean, why does LeBron James need a salary anyway? Like, uh, he takes max salary. Michael Jordan never took max salary. He wanted to leave the room for other players. Aren't they all about helping the little people? All right. But, I mean, he doesn't have any money. His dad has money. Well, that's true. But, I mean, I would assume LeBron would pay for his son's college education. Just think about the NIL this kid could get just by being LeBron's son. I agree, even though he didn't name him the coldest. <laughs> the coldest is the name of the Nebraska wide receiver who got an AC deal because he was named the coldest. Next, I didn't see this. I didn't see this video yet, but I keep reading about it. Evidently, the Finnish Prime Minister Sana Marin tested negative for drugs Monday. Why would she do that? Because she was seen partying and seemed a little out of it at a party. Uh, and she's 36 years old. She's running a country, a great country, I might imagine, a wonderful, beautiful country. She's very evidently a married, attractive woman, and she was a little risque in the way she was dancing. Quote, I have a family life, I have a work life, and I have free time to spend with my friends pretty much the same as many people my age. Quote, I'm going to be exactly the same person I've always been until now, and I hope that will be accepted. How do you feel about that if you're running your country and a 36-year-old is dancing in a very provocative way? I think very provocative is a bit of an exaggeration given the way we see some other um, celebrities dance nowadays. But they're not celebrities. You're leading a country. Well, I agree with that. That's where the different standard is. The videos I saw, she was with her friends sort of having fun. It wasn't overly risque, um, but I did not see all of the videos. But I mean, I, She's I was the youngest. Out. This is the problem. Now, if you're 36 year old, you're going to run and go, well, are you going to be out dancing all night? She As was opposed with her to friends. the one thing about Jerry Nadler, yeah. if you voted for him today, <laughs> you don't have to worry about him dancing in a risque way or even bending his legs or his knees. <laughs> um, Marin is the world's youngest head of state. Her nighttime activities have made headlines when she appeared on Finnish Nightclub, a Finnish nightclub after being exposed to someone who was positive for COVID 19. Marin faced further criticism in the incident for leaving her government phone at home during the night out. I should have used better consideration on Saturday night, Marin wrote on Facebook. I'm really sorry. But is she? It's because she's honestly, like, younger and attractive. Again, like, you see sort of the headlines, right, about Mayor Adams going out. You don't see these negative stories as much as you have about her, right? True. You don't want to see him dancing. That's why. Governor Gavin Newsom on Monday vetoed a bill that would have allowed major cities like Los Angeles and San Francisco to set up facilities where drug addicts can shoot up supervised. Uh, It was called SB 57. Newsom conceded such facilities would be helpful but worried that if someone without a strong plan, they could work against his purpose, worsening drug consumption. You think so? 
Worst idea ever. I understand that whole thing about give drug addicts drugs so they do it free and they don't use dirty needles and die and spread hepatitis or whatever it is. But you do not win national office if you do this. Makes one think that he's thinking beyond California because in California he would have faced almost zero blowback. Yeah, if he didn't want to become the president, he would not have vetoed this. Sad day for California's overdose death, says State Senator Scott Weiner. I would change his name. A Democratic uh, Democrat from San Francisco who authored the bill called Newsom's veto. Tragic and a huge lost opportunity. Indeed. Or you could just enunciate his last name differently. Weiner? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe maybe it is Weiner. But we're not Weiner. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.